Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Tales from the Veg Patch. I'm your host, Cathy Slack. Join me for another 15 minutes of rural tranquility as I open the garden gate and invite you into my veg patch to explore the highs and lows of growing your own with gentle tales of goings on in the garden. As ever, please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast. It really makes a difference to how much it gets seen by new faces or heard by new ears, I suppose, really. This week, wildlife. And rhubarb, actually, a glut of. Not mine, but since I'm happy to adopt anyone's gluts, I find myself with armfuls of the stuff. Ideas for which, later. But anyway, wildlife. Unwelcome wildlife, I'm afraid. Despite how much us gardeners talk about working with nature and how growing allows us to be at one with the outdoors, you'd be surprised how much time we spend battling with wildlife. In fact, it's often open warfare. If it's not green fly, it's mice. If it's not mice, then it's squirrels. All want to take a bite out of our harvests. And none is more disruptive, I think, than moles. And I should know, because I have one of my very own. The Morals and Mysteries of Failing to Catch a Mole When it first arrived, I rather liked the idea of having a mole. Quiet, polite, intelligent, cuddly. Wind in the Willows did a lot for mole PR. Of course, it's total fiction, just as outlandish as a toad that can drive as it happens. And they don't wear glasses either, moles. My mole appeared two years ago. There had been the odd mole hill in the little meadow orchard patch at the bottom of the garden, but then it found its way into the raised beds of the veg patch. How on earth, no pun intended, it managed to get in without machinery, I don't know. The beds are set within gravel paths that have compact, hardcore foundations and the beds themselves are foot-high railway sleepers. I picture a mole in a hard hat with a yellow hive-vis and some sort of boring device that they used in the Channel Tunnel. Anyway, I was still charmed at first. 
It did burrow along a row of newly planted beetroot, dislodging them in the process, as if the brightly coloured seedling stems were a sort of cat's eye to mark its root more clearly. But no significant damage was done, and it made great content for my cookbook, which I was writing at the time. And then things got a bit out of hand. At the helm of whatever machinery it was using, hard hat on, it burrowed into all three raised beds in turn and then annexed the cold frame, actually tipping up some of the pots it accidentally surfaced beneath. All of this it did in late spring when the seedlings were newly planted or the seeds had just germinated and were at their most vulnerable. A bothered root at this stage is the end for most vegetables. Apart from the beetroot, the broad beans, green beans, lettuces, radishes and peas all copped it. Something had to be done. I was writing a lot at the time, so I would sit amongst the veg beds with my laptop on my knee and a spade, a pair of gloves and a cardboard box at my side, waiting to pounce. I had this romantic notion that I would capture the mole, defrock it of its high-vis jacket and hard hat, cast it into the cardboard box and relocate it across the A road at the end of our lane. Surely even a mole couldn't get across a main road. Thus, we would be free. Clearly, this was a total fantasy. For a number of reasons. First, I read online later that moles can burrow 50 metres in one night. So across the road isn't going to be far enough. Also, they have amazing hearing. So can practically hear you so much as thinking about reaching for a spade, at which point they scarper. And... Moles can move much faster than you might imagine. But most of all, I am too soft to execute the plan. I did see the ground move a couple of times and it did look like Moly would break cover. But I couldn't bring myself to either whack it with the spade or attempt to apprehend it. So he got away. I suppose I should be glad that two years later, it still hasn't made it into the lawn. Actually, rather awkwardly, it has made a play for our neighbour's front lawn this year. Which is bold, because it means it's tunnelled out of my raised beds, under the driveway, along the ditch and popped up in their front lawn, which is quite a long way. On the plus side, it's spending less time in my veg beds, but I do worry that it's essentially built an extension under their lawn and is properly moving into the area. I Google, how far do moles travel to see what else we, as a neighbourhood, are in for and whether this could be the same mole or another faction? Google is unenlightening, but St Tiggywinkle's, the wildlife hospital website, says molehills are thrown up only once, when the mole first moves in. As this soil is crumbly and weed-free, it can easily be removed and used as a top dressing or sterile potting compost, saving some more of the gardening budget. Leave your resident mole alone and soon you won't even know he's there.
If you get rid of the mole, you will find a new mole will move into the territory and throw up new mole hills as they dig new tunnels. Hmm. Sarah Raven is also in support of this mole as compost maker too. She says we should embrace the mole hill using the finely sieved earth as potting compost. But she would, wouldn't she? This from a woman whose Christmas book begins preparations with drying spent allium heads in June ready for spraying. Actually, I rather admire that. But love her as I do, she is not in the realm of the average gardener. She probably has a full-time mole person who politely invites any invading mole to remove itself to another part of the county, offering up a relocation package and school fees for any baby moles. But not until it's made some lovely potting compost, of course. No, living with moles is not an option for us mortal gardeners. And frankly, I think of any potting compost as poor compensation for all the disruption. I can share my garden with most wildlife. I was fine this week, for example, when the mice took chunks out of my first radish harvest. But moles? No. I mention it to a friend who also has moles, and she raves about her amazing mole man. He, apparently is somewhere between a mole whisperer and a water diviner and can lay traps so strategically that capture is almost guaranteed. He is also, I'm told, very keen to show you the freshly dispatched mole to demonstrate that A, he has caught it and B, that it's fresh and not just an old corpse hidden in the back of the van to be whipped out if evidence should need falsifying. Still, I can't bear it. Poor Molly. I imagine the ruddy-cheeked and gleeful mole man holding up a dead mole by the throat, silky skin still warm, his little glasses broken and askew as the hard hat slips from his limp head. And I can't do it. I just can't. So the mole lives another year in the veg beds. I plant more seedlings to replace the dislodged ones and I have a lot of lovely potting compost. Rhubarb, ginger and honey flapjack. I don't grow rhubarb, but so many around me do that I can happily live off their glut-induced donations and everyone's is glutting at the moment. So if yours is too, or you are, like me, a rhubarb recipient, here are some ideas. Whether it's early forced rhubarb, which is pink, sweet and thin, or the more robust, sour main crop, all rhubarb needs cooking first. Or pickling, at the very least. For the latter, just submerge chunks in equal amounts of cider vinegar and sugar, which you have melted together and then cooled. It only takes 10 minutes to pickle and is fabulous with pork chops or mackerel. If cooking, I recently discovered that careful poaching will keep the stems whole and avoid that annoying, mushy sludge they can sometimes become. To poach, put equal amounts of sugar and water in a wide, shallow pan and bring to the boil. 
Once the sugar has dissolved, add the batons of rhubarb, clamp on a lid and turn the heat off. Leave to cool and your rhubarb will be perfectly cooked but still in one piece. The chunks can be the basis of all sorts of desserts and the poaching liquor is fabulous in cocktails. You'll need 250 grams of these batons for the following flapjack recipe. First of all, melt 250 grams of butter, 200 grams of demerara sugar, 25 grams of golden caster sugar and 2 tablespoons of honey together in a saucepan over a low heat. Don't worry if the demerara doesn't fully dissolve. Meanwhile, in another bowl, combine 375 grams of porridge oats with a pinch of salt and two teaspoons of powdered ginger. Pour the melted butter and sugar mixture into the large mixing bowl of oats and stir to combine. Line a small roasting tray, roughly 30 by 20 centimetres, with a silicon sheet or baking paper and spread half the flapjack mixture over the base. Dot the rhubarb batons evenly over the top, then spread the rest of the oats on top, pressing it down with a spatula as you go so it's compact and level. Bake at 180 degrees C for 15 to 20 minutes until just golden. Allow to cool before slicing and serving. It will keep in a sealed container for five days, but never last that long. And makes a perfect thank you gift for your rhubarb donations. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 